Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. You have got the Philadelphia Eagles. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs. They call it the big game, people, or at least that's what they call it if they don't want to get sued. Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.51075. The fan, he is the voice of sports in Indiana, ranked number 11 in the top 20 of afternoon drive programs across the country. I believe he was robbed. And I'm going to say, and I mean it, racism. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 uh, my take. I wait, I, uh, I, I want to yeah. talk. I want to talk NFL. I really do. Uh, but first, uh, two things. Um, yeah. Uh, Purdue uh, taking out Iowa, uh, still being number one after the loss to IU. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it does because the rest of college basketball also is is kind of right there. It's not like anybody had really stepped up over the course of the weekend, whether it was, you know, Houston or uh, you know any of these other two. Alabama has been kind of a uh, a slow decline. Kansas has been on a bit of a slow decline. So nobody really totally stepped up in that capacity to take over that number one spot. And I think also that's recognition to IU because of the way that they played and because of the venue in which they played in and how difficult it is to win at Simon Scott Assembly Hall when it's certainly hiked up, juiced up to the point to where it was on late Saturday afternoon, early Saturday evening. So I think there was a tip of the cap to that venue, the IU team, and then obviously just right now the rest of college basketball is is still falling behind and getting in line to Purdue Boilermakers regardless of that loss last week. So you've got uh, IU uh, defeating Rutgers and and Trace Jackson Davis making uh, a a serious statement, I thought, in in that game. And then, of course, you have uh, the IU women, which are just uh, crushing. Uh, But staying with basketball, just moving it to the NBA, this trade that sends Durant to the Suns brings George Hill back to the Pacers. Your thoughts? I, the, the part about George Hill, I don't understand. And, and to get everybody updated, I'm sure that uh, you probably had hit that a little bit earlier, too. Uh, the Pacers were involved in a three-team deal yesterday at the NBA trade deadline. And as a part of that three-team deal, I, I think the epicenter of it, Tony, was the fact that the Bucks wanted Jay Crowder. They ended up getting Jay Crowder. You had to get other teams involved contractually, monetarily, make this trade work out under NBA standards, which are way too long to go into right now. But as it stood, Jordan Nawara is a player out of Louisville, is a six foot eight guy that likes to shoot to three, that they liked in Milwaukee a great deal, but just was not getting the minutes and was getting kind of squeezed out. They're in a win now, once again mentality, and he was expendable. So the Pacers kind of stepped in and took on Jordan Nawara. Uh, we'll see if he fits in. We'll see if he fits in longer term with him. I didn't mind that whatsoever. Now, the George Hill thing's a little bit different because you don't want George Hill at the age of 37 taking away minutes from younger guys. And as of the last week, Tony, that has been a little bit of the argument regarding what Rick Carlisle, the Pacers head coach, has been doing. Why, for example, Nick Matherin only got 13 minutes the other night on that, that road loss 
in Miami. In the past four games, Matherin's only played an average of 22.8, when in the six prior games he played on an average of 33-plus minutes a game. People are wondering that because they believe that that's going to help stunt the development of the younger players. Um, We'll see. I don't need to see George Hill play too much. I don't know how much of a story it is. He is a local guy, and I guess it's okay to see him come back. But you can't see him on the court the expense of guys that are younger that are going to be the future. So when a trade like this happens, it's, you know, I, I think as I understood it, there were also some some draft picks that, that were picked up. Is, yeah. is this about a, a future build thing? Hey, we'll help you out with this cap space, but we get this for our future. That's what took place here? No, Tony, it's kind of funny. At a trade deadline, you get teams, and, and most of the time, they're defined as a buyer or a seller, which means if you're a buyer, that you're in it, you believe you can win, you believe you can challenge at a high level in the postseason. If you're a seller, then a lot of people would describe that as being this pacer team. But I kind of went off base. I call them a builder. I thought if you found anything on the open market there that was available that you thought could help be a part of this build in the now and in the future, then go ahead and do it, especially if it fit in. And Jordan Noir is a guy, Tony, that had been extended by Milwaukee. They liked what he brought to the table. Six points per game, 39% from three-point range. That's obviously something that the Pacers would like to see if that works out with this group. And, And really what it comes down to is you take a flyer on somebody that could work out, that's great. If it doesn't, then uh, no harm, no foul. And then in the process, Tony, we also ought to mention that they had to cut three players. Uh, They cut Goga Bataze. They cut Terry Taylor. And then they also cut James Johnson. We'll see if the veteran James Johnson comes back. And, you know, a part of that deal was Serge Ibaka, a guy that hasn't played basically since the beginning of January and really only once or twice going all the way back to Thanksgiving. I don't think he's going to play a minute here as well. He, along with George Hill, was a part of that three-team deal. We'll see. But there's a lot of bells and whistles going with this. But concentrate on Jordan Nawara because that is a guy they're taking a flyer on. They believe that he could be a part of this team's mold moving forward. Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan, right here in Indianapolis, the voice of Indiana sports. I'm taking a look at the big game. Don't want to get sued, JMV. The big game (laughs) is what the kids uh, call it. Here is Caesar Sportsbook with the odds. They've got it as Philadelphia at one and a half with the over-under at 51 points. You see Philadelphia as the stronger team over Kansas City? I don't. I don't. I I think this is going to come down to a couple things. We'll watch it. What defensive coordinator of Kansas City Steve Spagnolo is able to do against Jalen Hurts. If you remember Tony, just going back to midseason, the Colts were in that game with Philly. Actually, the Colts had a great opportunity to win that game had they made a play or two, and obviously they didn't when Jeff Saturday took over more times than not, but they had an opportunity to win, and if you force Jalen Hurts into throwing the football, and if you take away just the run, which has been such a huge part of this Eagles team, then I think obviously Kansas City can be in the driver's seat, not to mention the fact if Kansas City gets on a roll with their offense, they're certainly going to be in the driver's seat. So, yeah, I look at that number. I agree with you, too. That's I'm a little bit skeptical about that number. They're sitting here right now. I would take Kansas City 
31-28, something like that, because I think Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, will scheme something up to control better than other teams have the running attack and then the ultimate rushing attack Jalen Hurts brings to the table offensively from the Eagles. Talk to me about his injury, Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, and whether or not you think, based on your uh, view of what what you've seen of him uh, as as they go through getting ready, preparations, uh, is he back at 100%? No, and that's something else, Tony, you can be skeptical about. Seriously, that's why you look at that number and you kind of go, all right, so if if they do, if Kansas City is able to take away any facet of that running game, you know, is Jalen Hurst going to be able to throw? There's no doubt he's got one of the premier pass catchers in the NFL to throw it to an A.J. Brown. But I guess it's the same kind of way you look at Patrick Mahomes coming off that injury to see if he's going to be near 100%. I think Andy Reid has mentioned that he's not going to be, as most guys aren't in the NFL this time of year anyway, 100%. But I think Patrick Mahomes at that level, at that percentage, is going to be better than Jalen Hurts dealing with what he's dealing with because, again, I think Kansas City is going to be able to take away a little bit of that running game that has been so successful for the Eagles and put a lot on the passing game of Jalen Hurts. I think that could end up being trouble, and to me, the difference in the game. Uh, I noticed as we're having this conversation, by the way, I'm with you. I think Kansas City is a better team than Philadelphia. It's not that I'm a fan. It's just, uh, I think, recognizing uh, the data points. Um, I, I have noticed that in all of this uh, over the last few weeks that the Indianapolis Colts still don't have a coach. And I was told by uh, Jim Ursay, while not personally, earlier this week that it'll be a matter of days and not hours. Yes. Uh, so when he says days, uh, he, he he's talking about weeks, right? We're not going to know this thing till probably June. True or false? <laughs> That's the same for We may, by the time 4th, we're letting off fireworks in the backyard at your palatial estate at one of your fantastic bourbon parties, right? Coming up in July, right. July 4th weekend, whatever. I think we'll I throw many a I throw many a wonderful <laughs> uh, bourbon party at one of my palatial estates. That's true. Continue, JMV. Yeah, so I think we'll find out. No, honestly, we'll be talking about that. You'll, you'll call me and say, hey, can we talk about the new head coach? Uh, sometime here next week, maybe Monday, honestly, maybe Monday. And, and again, you can look at it a couple of different ways here because nobody really knows. I think I've told you the only rumor that I had heard, uh, and again, I'll specify this is a rumor that Jeff Saturday has known for the better part of the week that he's not going to be a part of it and he's not going to be the next head coach. But it would stand the reason that the Colts haven't told anybody because if they had told somebody, for example, hey, um, you know, Eric Bieniemy or whomever, you're not going to Wayne Martindale, you're not going to be the next head coach, that that probably would get out. So they're sitting on this, and logically speaking, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator of the Eagles, maybe you're just sitting back and waiting for him, and you're not telling anybody whatsoever because you don't want it to leak out. Now, again, the NFL never likes news coming out, uh, news cycle-wise football, during the week leading up to the Super Bowl. But you, you and I both know nobody nationally is really going to care about this. We're going to care about it. We'll talk about it around here. But nobody nationally is going to be a little to, to more of a ripple, and that's basically it. But, yeah, certainly by this next week, but probably by Monday or Tuesday of next week, we're going to find out that the next head coach of the Colts is going to be finally announced. And it could very well be Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. We're going to see in the Super Bowl for the Eagles. JMV, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on the DriveHubler.com hotline. 